Suratun Naziat, chapter 79 of the book. We may translate uh, An Naziat, the, the title of this chapter, as those who pull out or tear something out, separate something. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "When Naziati Gharqa," which means by those who pull something out with firmness. When Naziati Gharqa, there's like this, they are firm, uh, almost like violent, stiff. When Nashitati Nashta, and also by those who gently draw out. So it's like one is a very strong force, firm, and the other one is very gentle, very slow, uh, drawing out or pulling out. By those who float along. And by those who hurry forward. And by those who manage the affairs of their Lord. So this is the first section of this surah. The commentators, most commentators, I should say, uh, they suggest that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making reference here to his angels. So in the first one, by those who pull out, most commentators understood it is the angel which takes our soul from our body. Malakul maut. In some tradition, Malakul Maud, the angel of death, is called uh, Azrael. So his task, one of his tasks, uh, is to, to basically uh, separate our souls from our worldly bodies, to take our soul out of our body. So that process of pulling out our soul seems to be very painful. Uh, the pangs of the agony, yeah? The pangs of death, we say, like the agony. It's like really agonizing. So when it comes to uh, people who rejected Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the source from which their soul came, it seems that this separation from the worldly uh, life and this body of ours becomes very difficult, very painful, like... Uh, as if the soul doesn't want to leave this body because it's become attached to dunya so much. And in a way, has detached itself. It's forgotten quite a lot about Allah, its source of origin, and, and the hereafter, or what's to follow. So it doesn't want to, se to separate. But Allah's command is firm here, like in, in everything else. So when Allah orders, no one can delay or, you know, like, uh, make any kind of change for the fixed time. When the time comes, the soul will be separated from the body. And even if that means like angels will, will use their own force, and that might uh, cause certain pain to the person. But nonetheless, the separation will take place. The, yeah, the, the drawing out will take place. So scholars say, uh, Non-believers, they will find this dying, yeah, uh, really agonizing, painful, difficult. On the other hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't want to make it painful and traumatic uh, experience for the believing 
folk. Why? Because in a way they can't wait to meet their Lord. So the soul that came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when the angel of death comes, is happy to meet and greet the angel of death. So it will be like an, the opposite, basically. We're not going to resist. Oh, I don't want to die. Once we are ready and prepared, and Allah prepares each and every person, it seems like, in, in, in a way that we don't understand. But every person, they can feel before they are, you know, about to, to leave this world. So we know of nice stories of people who discharged their duties, who visited relatives, who did that, said lovely things, and after death, in a way like, peacefully died, we say, so to speak. So, basically, when the angel of death comes, the true believers already know this is going to happen. So they're well prepared for the, for the time. And then they will see the angel, and they will see that, that their time in this worldly life is over. That's it. There's no going back. You can't, you know, hurry this process, but you cannot delay it either by any time. And after that, it's a different reality. So that whole uh, thing of, like, our soul pa being passed on, leaving the body, and going into the next phase of existence for the believers is so smooth. It's gentle. It's beautiful. It's like great thing. Awesome. Why? Because the angels are going to greet them with salam. They're going to already show them some of the glad tidings, the things that are going to be theirs after the judgment day. So they are so happy. Loads of things to look forward to. So Allah used uh, like two different, you can say, uh, experiences. The first is like even the actual death will be very painful and difficult for non-believers. Uh, and what follows is like an ever-increasing punishment, something like that. So from that moment on, it's going to be agonizing, and then it will be more agony. Yeah? More and more and more and agony and humiliation and pain for non-believers. For the believers, is the other way around. This worldly life, in a way, was like pain to us. The tests and trials of this worldly life were like burden to us, torturing us, traumatizing us. So when we see, oh, the time has come when I'm going to leave these, uh, like the hadith says, al-ma'una wal adha, kind of pain and bother. So when I see that, oh, now I'm going to fly, I'm going up. So my soul is leaving this and going to a higher realm. And then what follows next is even more pleasant and more rewarding. And then more and more and more and more until the rewards of Jannah will just get better and better and better from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us that kind of glad tiding, saying that uh, the believer's next phase, yeah, after they have left this worldly life, will be all but bliss, that will become better and better and better. And the concept of time doesn't apply as we know it. So this is the first paragraph. And in this, as I said to you, uh, scholars in a way say these are angels. Okay. Now, we don't fully understand uh, how do angels operate and, and about their own agency. But we do understand that they are like part of Allah's creation, creatures of Allah, like we are creatures of Allah, and they seem to be 
loyal and obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and like his army as the Quran mentions and Allah knows their number and everything that they do best we can't identify everything we can't even understand everything properly but we do understand that uh, angels are constantly being in charge yeah, of certain things they are doing loads of things uh, as per Allah's command order whatever Allah orders them they only they obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in everything he tells them to do so I don't want you to understand that the angels in themselves have certain power or that they are in charge of their own and they can decide what to do it's not like that Allah is the almighty and all-powerful his will is absolute those angels only carry out Allah's commands it works like that so you need to understand that so they are like you know uh, the heavens and the earth the angels and even humans we are all supposed to be uh, you know under Allah's order fully and totally submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but it does seem that we humans are the only if not the only uh, part of Allah's creation that rebels chooses not to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah gave us that free choice of will unlike the angels but are they intelligent? yes of course they're also intelligent and knowledgeable. They can learn. They know lots of things. In fact, more than us. They have more knowledge than we do and understand how things function. Like if you talk about science, like you can see here, the phenomenon of living and dying. We don't understand. Angels understand better than us how the soul goes into body and then how, it's, how it leaves. Angels better understand how the wing functions. Angels understand better than us how everything orbits in the universe the sun, everything, all the planets, we don't understand. But uh, <clears throat> we have the free choice of will and they don't have such free choice of will like us. So uh, in that sense, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also pointing to uh, the two choices that humans will be making. Obedience, total submission, disobedience and disbelief or rejection, arrogance. The, which the next of you know the next part of the surah talk about. So then Allah mentions in the next uh, few uh, ayahs, on the day when the first earthquake w will shaken everything, okay, and the aftershock follows it. On that day, hearts will be pounding, and their eyes will be cast down. And now they say, shall we really be returned to the way that we were before? Even after we are crumbled bones, they say, then that would be a return with loss. But it will only be a single shout, and they shall awaken to be gathered on the other plane. So in this one, uh, like in Surah An-Naba, uh, we have this account. Uh, so the blast of the trumpet, yeah, sounded by another angel, okay, who is in charge for that on the last day will cause every living being to die, basically. This is what this section, in a way, means. And then the second blowing of the trumpet, which will uh, wake all the dead, okay? So what, the, what is that? The greatest, the great assembly, you can say. Mahshar, Yawmul Mahshar. Just before the final judgment day. So <clears throat> the Quran, in a way, uh, tries to depict, like, wants to give us a kind of uh, 
uh, scenery of what it will be like uh, and how it will be like. So, uh, again, the angel blowing a trumpet, sound uh, which is like very powerful, a mighty, uh, you can say, blast. Uh, all of that we can't really understand, you know, in this worldly life. The Quran mentions that there were certain people in the past, whole nation, that will die out, be destroyed, just by a creaking sound, strong sound. We don't understand. Earthquake, yeah, we understand the earth is shaking, quaking. We understand that objects might fall on you and you die. But just somebody's really, you just hear a very loud sound and you die from it, it can happen. So it does seem that Allah subhanahu is it closer? Okay. <clears throat> no worries. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly why he made it like that. That it will be uh, the first blow in the trumpet that will basically begin, you can say, the next life. And then the second one that will definitely start uh, the, the final day, the, the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best why he would do that and gather everyone on, on, on what he says here, open plain. How are we going to fit? I was reading uh, not so long ago, subhanAllah, like if we think of the sun, <coughs> it's just one of the uh, planets <coughs> that are in the mighty universe. Nothing so significant, really. And then uh, Surah Naba mentioned that opening of doors. And some commentators say, like, the whole universe that we know of now, the vastness of space, what's beyond that? So it does seem that, like, when the time comes, there will be a special kind of opening, and then there is a realm altogether beyond that, that you and I can never reach. Is that the plane where everyone, every single soul is going to be lined up for the final judgment day? I don't know. It could be. Is it going to be somewhere here, somewhere there, Jerusalem? I don't know. But we understand that, as this surah and other many surahs in this chapter say, that this whole earth and the universe that we know of will, will come to an end. Come to an end. This earth will be destroyed. Okay? The sun, everything will be destroyed. Now, what will Allah do? Oh, he will replace it with another planet, place, <laughs> plane, where everyone can easily fit and be lined up and assembled in a great assembly. Why is that difficult? Of course it's easy. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we believe, Muslims, created all of this in the first place, He can do anything. Okay? So the main point, really, in my opinion, on this passage is not for us to think, oh, how does that work? What trumpet is it like? Why is music mentioned in Quran? Why, what about sound, this and that? That's not the point. The point is to indicate Allah's might, power. Okay, his might and power and control. That is the, the whole point. Then this is like uh, what distinguishes this surah from the last one and many others in this chapter, the next paragraph. And the key, in my opinion, is the key lesson. Has the story of Musa reached you when his Lord called him in the holy valley of Tuwa, saying, go to Pharaoh, for he, for he has truly crossed his limit. And say to him, would you like to be purified? And would you like that I guide you to your Lord and that you shall fear him? 
and he Musa showed him the great sign but the Pharaoh rejected it and he disobeyed and he turned his back hurrying to his mischief then he gathered his people and he proclaimed I am your Lord the Most High so Allah seized him with the punishment of the next life as well as this one surely this is a lesson for one who fears Allah wow so I mean really doesn't even need almost commentary or explanation this paragraph but it is really the crux it is the main part of this surah I have to say so what is the great sign here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions commentators they say uh, uh, maybe it was his hand maybe it was the, the staff uh, maybe it was all the nine signs that, the, that he was shown but there is this commentary as well it was Musa himself <laughs> who was the sign to Pharaoh because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you, you know the law he passed before Musa was born it's like the first systemic genocide on the face of this earth some scholars say he's the first one who introduced the genocide like a mass murder killing of all boys, males keeping alive girls only it's like systematic killing so he passed that law yet a boy who was born after that law was passed would come to him would be raised on his palace and then later on will come to him to confront him to confront what? his very statement and belief yeah, which came out of his pride and arrogance that he is their lord he is the divine the greatest of the lords so Musa came Allah sent him clear strong sign great sign and would you like to be purified something like that I've come here to purify you you got all kinds of problems you have grown in arrogance something like that you are misunderstanding things and your role in this whole let's say in your era but in the whole of Allah's creation who are you do you really matter? How can you proclaim that you are the greatest of all? Uh, you can't. So, this surah really is a very uh, interesting in this section. Uh, there are many people who think like that. But the Quran tells us, how can a single human being, really, everyone should be humble. How can a single human being grow so much in arrogance and pride and think that everything that exists revolves around them and they are the only person and thing that really matters? No, it doesn't work like that. So, as human beings, as, as, as a species, we, we are nothing, no one. If you think of Allah's vastness, you know, the huge universe, like I said, the creation of Allah, Look, how, look at the sun and all the other planets and all the other living creatures. What are we as a whole? What do we stand when, when if we all together united, all human beings, and put one argument before Allah and try to prove something? Do you really think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have to honor that? I'm talking about every single human being that will be born from the beginning until the last day. We all united and came and said, we didn't understand this, we want it like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far and high above that. Any of that. You still don't deserve and have no right 
to equal yourself to Allah or claim any kind of divinity because you are not divine. Allah only is. You are not almighty, all-powerful. Allah is. You don't know much. You only know what Allah taught you. But Allah is all-knowing like that. So in a way, like every, every single one of us should be humbled, in my opinion, just for the fact that we know from what we were created, how, where we came from and how we grew. Okay? How we grew. And then the whole of mankind, as I said to you, where do we fit in Allah's huge uh, uh, creation? We are not really that significant as we might think. Okay? But certainly not one individual human should ever think that they are, you know, like everything. So Pharaoh was one of those people who thought like that. Allah taught him a lesson. And from his example, we all can nowadays learn. So in reality, this is the crux of this surah, really. People who deny resurrection, uh, the re one of the main reasons why they do so is their pride and arrogance. You know, people disbelieve, uh, can't accept Allah because they become too proud, too arrogant. They just don't want equals to them. They want to be on top of everything. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, as you all know, uh, what he did to Pharaoh yeah, and his whole army and people, what Allah does from what they think is fame and honor and uh, glory, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply just brings them down. You know, the earth swallows them. Like Qarun, Haman, all those Pharaoh's companions who thought they have all the glory. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala snatched it away from them just like that and punished them. Punished them in this life as well. And then in the next, a mighty punishment. So, if we don't learn this lesson, we also run the same risk of being tortured and punished in this worldly life due to our pride and arrogance. But, but if we cure ourselves from that particular blameworthy bad trait, then inshallah ta'ala we have every chance to uh, attain the ultimate salvation and see the bliss and real and true happiness and joy in the next life. Okay? And generally speaking, people who are too proud and arrogant, it doesn't mean that they are happy in this worldly life. They, they get actually annoyed with more or less anything. Because they're that arrogant that they're not in control of themselves whatsoever. They don't have self-restraint, self-control. Their ego is in control of them. So all kinds of problems, you know, uh, uh, come to those people and they never ever find true peace and happiness in this worldly life. And what's to come, we can't even imagine. Okay, so that is the, the key lesson. Yeah? Surely this is a lesson for one who fears Allah. So if Allah says that, then let it be so. Then in the next paragraph, Allah SWT again mentions uh, parts of his creation, how Allah created that with, with, with clear function. And then he gave one explanation, the purpose of that creation. مَتَاعًا لَكُمْ وَلِأَنْعَامِكُمْ So, uh, we mentioned the day and night yesterday, but let's say the earth, 
the sun, different lights. Even at night there is light, isn't it, which comes from other planets, uh, the Milky Ways, all kinds of things. Okay, we can see still some light at night for the comfort of you and your flocks. So whatever we, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created, it seems, certainly on this earth of different uh, materials, matters, it's for our usage. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, made that, created that as a means for us. Okay? Uh, it's for our benefit, basically, for our comfort. And the, the livestock as well. So, uh, and then everything is like, uh, what do the scholars say? The, the cycle of how water comes from the heavens to the earth and then again goes back. It's truly unbelievable. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's awesome. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all of that, made all of that for our benefit. So should not, should, shouldn't we really become grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yes, indeed we should. In other words, again, can't we just realize for once that we are dependent on all those things? In other words, we are totally dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we can't really proclaim any independence, autonomy, and grow in arrogance and pride like Pharaoh did because we solely rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his grace. And then the ending of the surah is quite mighty and powerful. But when the great disaster comes, the day when people will remember all of the things that they were trying to achieve, and hell will be in full view for all to see. Then, as for the one who was rebellious and chose the life of this world, surely hell will be his abode, home. But as for the one who was afraid to stand before Allah for the judgment and kept himself from lower desires, controlled the lower desires, surely the beautiful gardens will be their home. They ask you, okay, so this, this I, I like this passage, really, myself, whenever I read it, but I know it's a strong uh, lesson in here, a strong meaning. فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَةُ الْكُبْرَى So, uh, again, we understand here the great judgment day, okay? So, clearly, uh, you know, the notion of Jannah and Jahannam, yeah, the hellfire and, and, and the garden, the beautiful gardens of paradise. Everyone is going to be see, everyone is going to be seeing that. It will be presented before you. You're going to see that, okay, on judgment day. You will see it's a reality. It's haq. So people who basically denied, yeah, jahim is their uh, home. So uh, transgressing the limits of Allah subhanahu wa taala is the first lesson we need to learn here leads people to the hellfire. And then second one is attachment to this worldly life. Okay? So it's the opposite of zuhud. Basically, you, 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 are, you are letting yourself, you are allowing yourself to be deceived by this world and its amusements. That's a big, you know, big risk that you are running. According to this passage, people who do so, their home, their final abode is no other than Al-Jahim, Jahannam. On the other hand, we have people, 
من خاف مقام ربه it's not like we are in fear of we 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 are afraid of Allah we have fear of Allah we have the fear of of the of this what is going to happen of standing before Allah on the final judgment day we are already like in oh in fear who oh, we going to be standing before Allah the ultimate judge who knows everything we did and said and he's going to take us into account judge us i'm afraid of that day i'm afraid of that you know judgment day and we know some of the greatest scholars of islam like especially sahaba when they would read passages like this that mention this their fear of that standing before allah and being judged was such that they would collapse faint that's how much they you know they felt the responsibility Uh, for their actions and deeds and they were that conscious of their deeds but most of us we do all kinds of things we're not even very conscious about it nor are we conscious that we are going to be questioned about it that is the problem so the person who becomes more and more conscious aware of that the consequences of your actions and deeds they will develop this kind of fear and this khauf is good it will also stop you from fulfilling your desires it will basically help you to control your ego especially hawa your lower desires and that in turn will secure the safe passage or entrance through to, to the beautiful gardens of jannah this is what the quran says here fa inna al-jannata hiya al-ma'wa so it's really all about being conscious of allah for us and battling yeah struggling with our ego and lower desires whims if we become conscious of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is the guiding norm for us in our life so we are aware allah is watching us observing us taqwa and then we know that our ego is our like enemy and obstacle and we 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 fight like fasting helps us prayer helps us dhikr helps us quran helps us when we do that inshallah we will come out as winners and we will enter the beautiful gardens of jannah the very last passage is about the hour and i'll just read the translation itself explanatory they ask you muhammad about the hour when will it come what can you tell about it your lord alone knows the final end of it you are only a warner to those who fear it on the day that they see it it will seem as if they had only lived for an evening an hour or at the most until the next morning wow The reason why the Quran says like this and why it sounds like it's so near is because you know the the theory of relativity the time. So as I said to you after we die it's not going to be the same as in this worldly life. The concept of time is not the same. The Quran mentions 1000 years and 50000 years as one hour or nothing. So in that sense after we have passed away from this worldly life everything is it will happen like our stay in the grave the the first blowing the great assembly the judgment day even though it's taking long long time it will be as if everything is so quick so the last day the last hour and the judgment day is like it is actually near it's so 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 near but you can say you can talk of a lesser uh, judgment day for each and every one of us which is our own and that is also relatively near we don't even know when we're going to die 
So we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala certainly to make us of those people who will learn from lessons like Pharaoh's example uh, and other people who rejected the possibility of resurrection. People who didn't prepare for the final judgment day. But instead, we would like to be of those people who are truly conscious of Allah and do and say everything that will please Allah and we properly prepare for our meeting with our Lord and, and then we hope He will be pleased with us and we will be pleased with Him and that we will be, inshallah ta'ala, uh, granted the admission uh, to the beautiful gardens of Jannah wherein we will, uh, inshallah ta'ala, uh, be enjoying ourselves أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله العظيم لي ولكم فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم سبحانك اللهم نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وأشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت وحدك لا شريك له ونصلي ونسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا بارك الله فيكم وجزاكم الله خير السلام عليكم ورحمة الله